0: Give, let's give a big fringe welcome to Phil Brake. Where'd he go? Hey, uh, hey. G'day, how are you? Come on, you guys can do better than that. Turn to the person next to you and say, g'day, mate. How you going? Look, there you go. Thank you very much. hey. A lot of Americans actually say, G'day, mate, how you doing? But it's actually, G'day, mate, how you going? So turn to the person on the other side and say, G'day, mate, how you going? Yeah, good. All right. You might have just heard that, but I want to teach you what we do when Australians get together and you want to know if there's other Australians around. All you have to do to be able to be able to do this is just to be able to go, oi. All right. So on the count of three, I just want to hear you go, oi. One, two, three. All right. So whenever I say Aussie, you say oi. All right. So Aussie. 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 Yeah. Good work. Good work. If you ever want to know if there's Australians around, that's all you need to do is just go Aussie, 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 and they will know. Hey, I've heard that this stage, this area is the place to be. I've been looking forward to coming and hanging out here because apparently the whole fringe stage and this fringe area is where it's at. So why don't you give yourself a hand for being here and being the amazing people that you are. Who likes stuff that works? You like stuff. Look, I'm not into wasting your time and I'm not into wasting God's time. I actually like stuff that works. So today I want to talk to you about something that actually works. You know, the title of this kind of session is What is God Looking For? The thing I've learned in my life is that God's not looking for the best looking, those that are ripped and rock hard. He's not looking for the best athletes. He's not looking for the best actors. He's not looking for the best artists. He's not looking for the smartest. He's looking simply for those who are available. That's all you have to do is make yourself available. You know, I had this saying that God does not have favorites unless you want to be one. God does not have favorites unless you want to be one. You see, God, in the form of Jesus, when he came, he had his 12 mates. Then he had the three closest, Peter, James, and John. But he had the one that he loved, John, who he loved so much. And the reason why is because those guys made more of an effort to be close to Jesus. So if you want to be a favorite, all you've got to do is just take that step in his direction, and he'll be there to meet you see, I I have this kind of struggle with my head to understand why the creator of the universe and everything that we see around us, why he would actually be interested in me. Why would the God who put all this together and all he had to do was speak a word and things came into being? Some of you need to hear that today, that all it takes in your situation, your circumstance for stuff that looks hopeless, that looks like nothing, looks like it's going to amount to nothing is all it takes for God to speak one word into your circumstance, and things can change. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You with me? So we've got this incredible God, and I don't quite necessarily fully grasp why would He be so interested in me? You see, sometimes we have this idea who, of, who God is. We have this idea that God is this kind of like big dude on sitting on this big throne up in heaven, and he's got the big white beard and, like, got the white hair, and he's just waiting for us to stuff up so he can throw a bolt of lightning down to fry our butts. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what some people think. And we all think that, like, God speaks, like, in that James L. Jones, Darth Vader voice, like, this is God. You know, like, everyone expects that's how God speaks. Could you imagine if we get to heaven and, like, you know, but by the grace of Jesus, our Lord, that we actually get there to stand before God. Imagine that like we go to stand before God the Father and we're waiting for him to say something and we're all expecting him to go, Phil, welcome. But well, imagine that God turned around and said, G'day, mate, how you going? Like that's gonna mess with everybody's head. See, we have this idea of who God is. You see, your understanding of who God is will determine what God can do in your life and in the world in which you live. Your understanding, your belief of this incredible God will determine what He can do in your situation, your circumstance. If you've got a small God, then in your face with a big problem, then there's going to be an issue. But if you've got a big God, an all-powerful, an almighty God, whose grace is sufficient, there's nothing that He cannot do, it doesn't matter what you face in life, your God will always be bigger than the circumstance, the problem that you're faced with. Are you hearing me today? You see, sometimes I wonder, why would God send His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to the planet? We can't argue that. It's a historical fact that Jesus Christ came to the planet. John 3:16 tells us that for God so, He what? He what? He loved. He loved you and me so much that He would send his one and only Son. You see, that whole love thing, some of us find hard to grasp, and I get it. My situation with my family and growing up with my dad, who was just never there, I kind of struggled to make the connection between a loving father because I just didn't have that connection or relationship with my earthly father. But I began to read the Bible, and I began to read some of the stories that Jesus told to describe and to help our minds grasp and understand, and our hearts experience the revelation of his love. You know, one of the stories that Jesus told was about this lady, and she was really poor, and she just lived in this small little place, and all she had was 10 coins. They were the most important, precious things in her life. She had nothing else except 10 coins every day. She would get those coins out, she would polish them up, lay them out, and she would count them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Every day. One morning she wakes up, she grabs a little bag that they're in. And she's kind of pulls them out, polishes them up, lays them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And she just stresses out. She freaks out. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I've lost one of my coins. This lady's got nothing. And she starts looking high. She starts looking low. She looks down under the table. She looks everywhere that she's kind of been that morning, just in around her small little home. And she can't find the coin. She's starting to get really anxious and stressed. She runs to the neighbors and goes, hey, guys. My, my, one of my coins, I'm missing one of my coins. Do you know where my coin is? And the neighbors are like, sorry, we, we haven't seen it. We haven't taken it. And she goes back in and she's kind of like going, I've got nowhere else to look. I've looked everywhere. She had a pet cat that was just sitting in the corner. And like, she's just pretty much at her wits end. And she just goes, where's my coin? Startles the cat. The cat jumps up and the coin's sitting underneath the cat. She picks up the coin. She's like, you I found my coin. She's stoked. She runs to neighbors. Hey, guys, let's have a party. I found my coin. The next story Jesus tells is about this farmer guy that had 100 sheep. I don't know about you, but in Australia, we got lots of sheep, right? And when I was a kid, we had to go out in farms and work on, with the sheep and stuff. You know what I learned about sheep? You can take this away with you. But my brother over here understands, but sheep are dumb. I've never wanted to punch an animal in the head in my life, but the one time trying to get these hundred sheep in this pen so they could be shorn, it's like they just don't want to do what they're told. It's funny how the Bible talks about him being the shepherd and us the sheep, but we won't go there, right? Okay, so this farmer, he's got like a hundred sheep and he knows them all by name. He's got Billy, he's got Johnny, he's got Rebecca, he's got Sarah, he's got like Robert and Richard and he's got all his sheep and he knows them all by name and every night he counts them when they're all safe. And he's going through one night, and he's counting. He gets to 98, 99. He looks around. Straight away, he knows. Man, little Johnny. Little Johnny's done a runner. That little whatever. So he's like looking around. He goes to the other shepherds. Yo, boys, do you know where Johnny's at? You know he's a little rascal. Do you know where he's at? The other shepherd's like, sorry, man. We don't know where Johnny's gone. Do you know what he does? He puts those 99 sheep in the pen. And he starts looking out. He goes out across the countryside. I don't know if it was a bit like this, but he's looking around. just yelling out, Johnny, Johnny, where you at? Can't hear anything. It's starting to get dark. There's clouds coming in. It's looking like there's a storm coming. He can start to hear the howl of the uh, coyotes off in the distance. And he's going, quick, I've got to find Johnny. And he runs and he looks and he's just, it's really getting dark now. And he's kind of like just about lost hope. And he yells out just one more time. Johnny! And he just hears the faintest noise. Bah! He goes, that's Johnny's voice. I know that voice. He starts yelling, Johnny. And he can start to hear it. Bah! Johnny! bat, Johnny! bat. Johnny's stuck, got his legs stuck in a rock. And he comes along and he grabs Johnny. He's found little Johnny. Puts Johnny on his shoulders. And he goes back to where the other farmers and shepherds are. He goes to all the guys, Yo! I found Johnny. Let's have a party. Let's have a barbecue. Beef, not lamb. And then the next story that Jesus tells is about a father who's got two sons. This dad loves his boys. And this guy, he's kind of like just loving on his sons. The youngest son just goes, Dad, you're not dead yet, but I want what's owed to me. I want my inheritance now. And because his father loved his son so much and said, son, if that's what you really want, that's what I'll give you. So the father gives his son this money and and the son takes off to a faraway land and it's sex, drugs, rock and roll. The whole cold sign of story that you think he's got all the friends while he's got the money. But as soon as the money goes, so do the friends. And then eventually he's got nothing. He's on his own. He's isolated in a foreign land. And he's there and eventually he finds himself in this pig pen just serving up the slops to the pigs. And he's so hungry. And he doesn't know every single day that he's been away, his dad has been out on the front porch sitting on a chair, maybe like some of you are sitting on a chair, and, he's, and his dad's been just sitting there just longing for his son to come home. I just wish my son had come home. Meanwhile, the son is in this pig pen trying to serve up slops to pigs. And he has this thought in his head. And he goes, man, even the servants in my dad's house are better than this. They eat better. They're looked after. They've got somewhere to sleep. They're uh, much better than what I'm doing. So he says, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, if I apologize and I go home and I say, Dad, I'm so, I stuffed up big time. I'm so sorry. Can I come back as just a servant in your house? And so he throws in that job, and he starts to make the long journey home, and he's rehearsing his apology over and over in his head. Meanwhile, Dad's sitting on his chair longing for his son to come home. And, and, and the story that Jesus told, it says that the father one day is looking out, and he's looking out through the front yard, and he's looking down the path past the gate, the only way into their property, and he can see this shape of a man start to form in the distance, and this guy's slowly walking, and the father knows his son's walk. The father knows this ain't just a visitor. This ain't just somebody ordinary. This is my son coming home. Do you know what the dad does? He jumps up out of his chair and he starts to bolt as quick as he could, gets through the front gate. He's out that front gate. He's running down that path towards his son. The son sees his dad running at him. What do you think that son's thinking? "Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. My dad is on a mission I I don't know what's going to go on. So he's going through. Maybe if I tell dad quick enough, he'll be all right. Dad, I'm sorry I stuffed up. I'm so sorry. And as dad gets close enough, he can just look at his dad's face and dad's got tears going down his face. And the son kind of just goes, dad. He tries to start off with his apology. Dad, I'm so sorry for what I did. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have treated you like that. I was so selfish. And the dad grabs his son before he could even finish what he was saying. Grabs his son, he says, son, it's okay, I've already forgiven you, welcome home. Grabs his son, takes him back into the house, tells everyone, my son has come home. They throw this massive party in celebration of the son coming home. Can, Can I just tell you something today? You're more important than that lost coin. All of us in some way are like little Johnny the sheep, maybe. We're all like that prodigal son that needs to come home to Jesus. And today, I don't know where you're at. I came a long way. I came like, it took me about 27 hours to to get here and, and actually ended up being 30 plus after the drive from South Jersey to here. It took me a long time to get here. And I know I'm not here by accident. And I know each one of you sitting here at this fringe session today, you're not here by accident. I don't know you, but there's a God in heaven that knows you and he loves you so much. He's drawn you to this field today so you can hear about a God that loves you so much that he hasn't forgotten you. Doesn't matter how far removed, it doesn't matter what you've done, every single one of us can come back to Jesus. And if you haven't done that, then today's your day. Best decision you'll ever make with your life. There's no doubt about it. Is there anyone here that agrees with me on that? Best decision you can ever make. Yeah, so this is where it gets interesting. What is God looking for? So if that's kind of like how we can come into a relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, took all our sin and sickness upon Himself, was buried, rose again on the third day. And if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that that's what happened, that Jesus can be the Lord of my life, He'll forgive us of everything that we've done in the past And fill us with His Spirit so we can live a life that's pleasing to Him. Now, if you've done that, my question to you is, because one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. That's my kind of Bible verse. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live life half-paced. I don't want to live life half-full. I don't want to just exist. I want to live. I want to be alive. So what are you doing with the life that God's given you? You see, there's one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me ask you a question. I don't care how old you are here. The youngest to the oldest, listen up. Answer this question. Was there ever a day you were more in love with Jesus Christ than you are today? Don't look at the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Just imagine it's just me and you sitting down in a room right now. I've asked you a question. Was there ever a day that you were more in love with Jesus Christ than you are today? And if there was a day that you were more passionately, madly, deeply in love with Jesus than you are today, what happened? Who happened? What broke up? What got fractured? What got broken? Who let you down? Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? In our relationship with him, there's only one person that changes. That's us. It's me and it's you. So if there was a day that you were more in love with Jesus, it means that there's one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody has come and robbed you of the life that Jesus Christ died to give you. Something or someone has come into your world to try and steal away from you your destiny, your purpose. Did you know wound into your genetic helix of your DNA, Stuff that we can see under a microscope, but there's other stuff wound into that that they will never find, and that's destiny, that's purpose. That only when we expect to ex- experience the Spirit of God and accept the Spirit of God into our lives does that come into action and come alive. You see, sometimes it's just so subtle how the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I hope some of you are thinking right now, by the looks on some of your faces, some of you are thinking of what's happened, because it's not like the devil rocks up at your door one morning, and he knocks on the door, you open it, you kind of like wake up, and you just go, yo, what's up? And the devil's standing there kind of like with his horns and with a pitchfork, and he goes, yo, Phil, I'm here to steal some of the life that that Jesus guy gave you. I don't want you to have life. I don't want you to have hope. I don't want you to have peace. I don't want you to have joy. So, hey, just give me some of that here, right here. He doesn't do that. You know, he's a little bit more subtle than that. He knows what our weaknesses are. He knows where we're vulnerable. So he comes in and he just slowly, it's like, I don't know if anyone here's ever suffered or experienced this before when you put on weight. It's like, you know what? You don't go to sleep one night and then wake up the next morning Wow, well, where did that 30 pounds come from? No, it's a result of just wrong habits, eating the wrong stuff, not moving enough, all of that kind of stuff. It's a gradual process. So there's one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So let's get back to the question of what this is about. What is God looking for? You see, God is looking for, as I said at the start, He's looking for a relationship with each of us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants to give us life and life to the full. But you know what? This, this is the crazy part. God gives us the choice of what we're going to do with the life that he gives us. Isn't that insane? I mean, if I was God, thank God I'm not. But all of us would have a little microchip in the back of our heads that as soon as we hit the age of like 12 or 13, it'll be like, boom, I will now obey Phil. I will now do whatever Phil wants. I mean, if I was God, that's how I'd kind of program the deal. But God gives us this thing called choice. I'm not talking about your salvation right now. I'm talking about the life that God has given you because your life is not just your own. It's for those that you live with, go to school with, go to uni with, go to work with. You see, I believe we've got two choices about what we can do with the life that Jesus Christ gave his for so that we could live. You see, I believe there are those that would say, hey, I'll do something for God. And there are those that were willing to do anything for God. Now, let me explain. Those that say something for God over this side, no offense, guys, I'm not talking to you, all right? But for those that say, hey, yeah, God, I'll do something for you, as long as it doesn't interrupt my timetable, as long as it doesn't interrupt my relationships, as long as it doesn't interrupt what I want to do, as long as it doesn't interrupt what I want to wear, as long as it doesn't interrupt what I want to play, as long as it doesn't interrupt who I want to go out with or date, as long as it doesn't interrupt with what I watch or what I listen to, I'll do something for you on those terms. That's one choice of what we can do with the life that God's given us. But over this side, for those that are willing to do anything for God, and this is the people that I've flown from the other side of the world to talk to, those would say I'll do anything for God or like God wherever you ask me to go whatever you want me to do it doesn't matter how crazy it doesn't matter what people think lord I'll do anything for you and I don't care is there anybody here today that wants to have that heart it's a choice that each of us has to make each day you see there are so many examples in scripture about those that had a something spirit You know, the guys that Jesus kind of like always had issues with, those Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those religious people? Oh, man, they just did his head in. They were the only ones that he fully kind of like had head-to-head arguments, full-on battles with in that way. They had a something spirit. Can't you see, look, we're dressed right. we got the outward appearance going on, and we're doing all the right things, and we look all religious and all that sort of stuff, and we're doing something for God didn't impress Jesus, but there's plenty of examples in Scripture about those that were willing to do anything for God. Hey, let me close by just telling you one of my favorite stories in the Bible that I think is one of the ultimate examples of a guy that was willing to do anything for God. You ready for this? All right, Genesis chapter 12, one of the biggest turning points in Scripture when God chose a man called Abram, to become the father of many nations. Abraham's married to Sarah. God speaks to this guy named Abraham and he says, Yo, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. You're going to have land abundant and and, and through you the world is going to be blessed. And we know that through Abraham is where the children of Israel came out of. But you see, for that promise to be fulfilled, Abraham needed to have descendants. He needed a son. Him and Sarah couldn't have children, so they thought. So Abraham gets his promise at the age of 75. Turn to the person next to you and say, 75. Anybody know a 75-year-old person? we have got to respect our elders, right? We've got to look after them. 75, they deserve the respect. So at 75, he gets his promise. And then did you know what? For the next 25 years, he's willing to do whatever it took to have a baby. And guess what? At the ripe young age of one flippin' hundred, 100 people, him and Sarah, have a happy, bouncing baby boy. Oh my gosh, Isaac. Hits the scene. Happy Bouncing Baby Boy. Has anyone ever met somebody who's 100? Have you ever? I've met a few 100-year-olds. Now, the 100-year-old guys that I've met, I'm telling you right now, they're no Brad Pitt. Right? They are not kind of, they do not have the looks. they got, and, and any ladies that I've met that are 100, they, they, they are no Angelina Jolie. You know what I'm saying? But like they're a bit saggy baggy, and they're a bit whatever, they ain't kind of like, she's, she's having a baby. She was 10 years younger. So she's having a baby at 90. That's insane. I mean, you don't, actually don't think about it too much, all right? But there you go. So I wish I could stop the story here. You know, I wish we could stop creation and just live in this vibe and this atmosphere. But some of us have to go home to stuff that ain't great. Some of us have to go back to stuff that's just hard. And I wish I could stop the story here because it's a feel-good story. It's like, you know what? Oh, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they got their baby boy. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, we're all happy. But that's not where the story ends. See, Abraham had an anything spirit. And we don't know exactly how long, whether it was 16 or 18 years later. So Abraham is now, let's say, 116, right? He's just chilling on his rocking chair and he's just there, and he's watching Isaac chopping wood. And he's looking at his son, and his son is just like, yes, Dad, what chores do you want me to do? Yes, Dad, like, no worries, Dad, I'll I'll, I'll chop the wood, I'll clean out the camel's pen, all that sort of stuff. Abraham is there, and he's looking at his son, and he hears God speak to him, and this is what God says. Abraham, I want you to take your son and kill him. Abraham's like whoa, God, I'm getting old. Did I, did I seriously? I'm a bit deaf. Can, I, I did not hear that. Abraham, take your son, your one son, and kill him. Abraham's just gone, hey, God, can't we do something else? Surely we can find something else to sacrifice. I'm supposed to be the father of many nations. Isn't like this all supposed to be because of this kid? How, how am I supposed to take this kid and kill him? take your son. Abraham's like, God, I'll do anything for you. You know what he does? Yo, Isaac, come here, son. So he calls his son over. Isaac's like, yes, sir, what do you want? And so kind of like, Abraham says, son, we're going camping. We're going on a camping trip. We haven't been for a while. We're going camping. Isaac's like stoked. He's like, yeah, I'm going camping with dad. This is awesome. He goes and gets all the slaves ready, gets all the servants ready, gets all the supplies ready. And Isaac can't sleep because he's so excited about going camping with dad. Abraham can't sleep because he's kind of going, did I hear God right? I can't believe God's asked me to take my son and actually kill him. He's tossing and turning. Isaac's tossing and turning because he's so excited. They get up in the morning. Isaac's got everything all organized. He's got everything ready. Abraham comes out of his tent, and he kind of like eventually gets out, and he's kind of standing there and sees everything ready to go. And, and Isaac goes, come on, Dad, let's go. So they jump on their camels, and they start to make the trek out to the countryside. Isaac's up and about, man. He's just stoked to be hanging out with Dad and going camping. And like, Isaac just goes, hey, we've got to bring some vibe to this road trip. So he goes, why don't we start singing some songs? The hump on the camel goes up and down, up and down. Abraham's just like, son, not this morning. I I just can't do it. I can't do it. Isaac's going, well, maybe we need to sing one of those Jesus songs so that sparks Abraham up a bit. It's like, one way. Jesus, you're the only one that I could live for. Abraham's like, son, no. No more. Wow, Isaac's like, dad's really grumpy this morning. What's up? I need to sing an old school song. So Isaac's going, oh, I've got a really good one. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Anyone know that one? Yeah, some of you. I know. Now you're showing your age. But Abraham's just like, son, enough. Stop it. No more. Wow, dad's really grumpy today. And then the Bible says something. It says, when the team were kind of far off, God showed Abraham the, the hill that they had to go up to sacrifice. And so Abraham says, son, guess what? It's just me and you. Grab this stuff for a sacrifice. We've got to go up that hill up over there, and we're going to make a sacrifice. So they get the wood. They get the knife. They get everything ready that's uh, for a sacrifice, except they're missing one thing, The sacrifice. Abraham says to his son, son, just me and you, let's go. We've got an important job to do. They start making their way up the mountain. And about the third the way up, this is now weighing so heavily on Abraham's mind and heart, he stops his son. He says, son, just stop. I know we're going up for a sacrifice, but it's been good. But God the Father's actually just asked me, the sacrifice is you. Now, I don't know about you, but we've got a 116-year-old and we've got a 16-year-old standing. I don't know, I'm not a betting man, but if I did, my money's on Isaac to outrun Abraham. You with? Yeah? I think that, that's fair. You know, what amazes me, we don't hear any comebacks from Isaac. If you're a young person listening to me right now, listen up to this important principle to live your life by. You know, Isaac doesn't come back to his dad and say, oh, dad, can't we do something else? Hey, dad, can't, you know, don't you know that I've kind of like just almost kind of got to the, the highest level on my PS4? Hey, dad, I'm just about to make the Jerusalem soccer team. Hey, dad, there's this really hot chick down in Jericho that digs me. Hey, can't we do something else? See, the Bible says, obey your parents, honor your parents, and it will go well with you. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments where there is a promise attached to you actually being obedient to it, young person. So can I encourage you, honor your parents to the best of your ability. So Isaac doesn't do a runner, people. He goes up there, and I imagine, we don't know. But maybe because of what Abraham had role-modeled to his son, parents, listen to me, youth leaders, listen to me, pastors, listen. Maybe Isaac said to himself, you know what, my dad is willing to do anything for God and it's turned out okay. Maybe I just need to actually be willing to do anything and it's going to turn out okay. We can't underestimate the role-modeling powers that we have in our young people's lives. Be encouraged today. So Abraham and Isaac have this conversation. Isaac does not do a runner. He stays with his dad, and they begin to make their way up this hill. Now, this is where it kind of spins me out, because do you know what? Abraham and Isaac are coming up this side of the mountain. Abraham's heart is being weighed heavy because he's got to sacrifice his son. Over this side of the mountain, do you know what's over here? Rammy. Rami's over this side minding his own business. We've got a ram, a sheep, that's just like eating grass and he's just hanging out doing, doing his thing. All of a sudden, God says, Yo, Rami, get your horns up that mountain now. Why, God? Because I said so. Get your horns up that mountain now. Yes, God. So Rami begins to make his way from this side of the mountain to go up. Abraham and Isaac don't know what's on the other side of their mountain. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what sickness you're facing. I don't know what relationship challenge you've got. I don't know what financial problem. It may look like a big, big mountain. You don't know what's on the other side of your mountain. Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? Can I please implore you? Hold on. Don't let go. Because he'll never let go of you. So these guys are making their way up the mountain. they start to get to the top of the mountain and they start to put the, the altar together for the sacrifice to take place. So they're up there, Abraham and Isaac working together, putting the rocks and getting the timber and everything like that that's required. Rami's over this side of the mountain, he's kind of just dawdling up the mountain. He's, he's taking his time as sheep do, right? So he's just going up, and God in heaven. He's just going, Rami, hurry up. You've got to get your horns up that mountain because there's a guy on the other side that's willing to do anything for me. And if he's willing to do anything for me, I've got to provide him with everything that he needs. Get your horns up that mountain. Yes, God. By now, the altar's finished and it's built. Abraham's just looking at his son lovingly. I can imagine tears streaming down his face as he begins to lay Isaac down on that altar, as he pulls out that knife that is so incredibly sharp, and he made sure the night before, he made sure that knife was going to be super sharp, because if he had to use it on his son's throat, he wanted it to be quick. He wanted it to be painless. So he's got this knife out. God is in heaven, and he's looking down at what's going on, and he's going, whoa! He's going to do it. Oh, my gosh. And he turns to all the angels in the background. He says, yo, tens of thousands of angels, just just quieten down for a sec. I've got a really important announcement to make. When I say so, I want you to yell out the name Abraham. It's not Steve. It's not Richard. It's Abraham. you got to get it right. Hey, you at the back. Stop mucking around. You got that. So God's got all the angels in heaven lined up. Abraham is down here at this altar. He's got the knife out. He's about to pull it at his son's throat. Rami's over here. God quickly gets to Rami and says, Rami, quick, get your horn stuck in that thicket just there. And when I tell you to, I want you to let rip with the biggest, that you can. Yes, God. So Abraham's here and he can't believe He has to do this. And as he puts that knife to his son's throat, looking up to heaven saying, God, I'll do anything for you. And I know you can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Then all of a sudden, just as he's pushing that blade to Isaac's throat, God turns to the angels in heaven and he just says to them, now, and all of heaven starts to shout, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham's 116 years old, people. He freaks out, throws the knife, goes, oh, my gosh, what was that? As the heavens echo with his name. And just as his heart rate starts to settle down just a little bit, God goes, how cool is this? Watch this. Now, Rami. Rami's over there, and Rami's like, bah! Abraham looks over and goes, no way. You see, guys, when you're willing to do anything for God, He'll provide you with everything that you need. When you're willing to do anything for God, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Abraham went up that mountain willing to do anything for God. Let me ask you this question, what did he come down with? He came down with the promise. He came down with the promise being fulfilled. In fact, the promise was expanded because of his obedience. What is God looking for? He's not looking for the most talented. He's not looking for the fastest, the strongest. He's not looking for the smartest. He's looking for those that are available and would say, God, I'll do anything for you. Let me finish with this story. There was a Welsh missionary that went to northeast India. And this guy, back in the day, this is when there was no Christianity in India at all, one of the first missionaries to go to northeast India. And this guy kind of started to reach out to this particular village in the the area called Assam, A-S-S-A-M. And it was in this area that This guy became a follower of Jesus Christ. So this guy became a follower of Jesus Christ and his whole family did. The problem was that this village was kind of known for cannibalism and known for a lot of brutal deeds and acts. And when the village chief found out that this guy and his whole family had become followers of this Jesus, the tribe and the village got together and they grabbed this guy and his family and they said, you need to renounce this Jesus. If you don't renounce this Jesus, we're going to burn your children, we're going to burn your wife, and then we're going to burn you. And this guy, the conviction, willing to do anything for God, I cannot forsake my Jesus. I have to make a stand for my Jesus. He turned around, and he said, me and my family, we cannot forsake Jesus. So tragically, right in front of him, they began to burn his children. They began to burn his wife. And then they thought, well, hopefully, maybe surely that would have been enough for him to actually turn away from his faith. And as he stood there and as they tied him up, and as they began to actually put the timber before him, and as they actually lit the actual fire that was before him, he began to say certain words. And some of you may not actually know this song, and the words to this song actually have come from this particular experience. As the fire began to actually burn him, and actually as he began to burn, some words came out of his mouth. I have decided to follow Jesus. Wow. I'm sure Siri wasn't available either. But if you listen to the words of this song, it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. And this Indian guy in northeast India said those words as he burned to death in making a stand for Jesus. The reality is for me and you, we're never going to be faced with that kind of a problem. We're never going to be faced with that. But today I am asking you just a simple question. What are you going to do with the life that God has given you? Is it just a something spirit? Or is it those that are willing to do anything for him? If that's you, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know we're in an open field. I don't want you to worry about the person to the left or to the right of you. This is just between you and Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. I thank you for each and every precious person that's here within the realm of my voice. I just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, you are here to bring courage, to bring strength, to bring healing, to bring freedom. I'm going to make this really easy. This afternoon, As just a a sign to the Lord, just a confession of your faith this morning. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about what are you going to do with the life that Jesus has given you. Is it something or is it anything? This afternoon on the count of three, I'm just going to go one, two, three. When I count to three, if you're seated, I'm going to ask you to stand. But if you're standing and this doesn't relate to you, I just ask that you would sit down. But I'm just going to ask for those that are here this afternoon that you want to say, Lord, that's me. I'm willing to do anything for you. I want to make a stand for you today. No turning back. I, because I've decided to follow Jesus. Maybe there was a time you were more in love with Jesus than you are today. And you're going to make a stand again to say, you know what? I'm going to get back to that place of passion. I'm going to get pa- back to that place of just devotion and commitment, just being crazy, madly, deeply in love with Jesus. I'm going to get back to that place today. And that's your first step on the road to living an anything life. So if you're challenged this afternoon, Don't stand unless you mean it, please. On the count of three, if that relates to you, just stand. I'm going to pray and then we're done. But I know that heaven is watching on right now as God the Father and the angels were watching on. The Holy Spirit was there. Jesus there. Watching on when Abraham went through what he did. All of heaven is watching on right now, looking for those. The Holy Spirit is hovering, looking for those through whom he can show and prove himself strong. Will you stand today saying, Lord, I want to have an anything spirit. Holy Spirit, help me. On the count of three, if that's you, just stand. One, two, three. If that's you, just stand up where you're at. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. you. Don't stand unless you mean it. That's you today. Thank you for your courage to stand. You know what, the universal sign for surrender is lifting your hands. Doesn't matter where you go in the world, if you lift your hands, I'm saying, I'm surrendering. Today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Say, Lord, I'm leaving everything else behind, and I surrender to your plan, your will, your purpose for my life. I ask you to give me the courage and the strength to live that anything life. So if you're standing with me, I'm standing with you let's just lift our hands towards heaven and say, Father, I choose you afresh today. Father, for hands raised in this place today. Thank you that you look down, that you smile when you find a willing, available heart that's just willing to do anything for you. I thank you, Lord, that within the next week, those that are standing Lord God, we'll be given an opportunity maybe to do something that they haven't done for a while or something they've never done before in showing or telling somebody about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. I pray when that opportunity comes that you, Holy Spirit would remind them of standing here in this field today. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, tangibly that you would do something, stir courage and faith and boldness in this place today all for your glory, so that your name would be honored above everything else. It's not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. And I pray this would be sealed in the authority of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out today. Hope to see you around the place. Have a great time.